Welcome to the Single Dad Reboot Podcast, episode 22. This week, I sat down with my man, Nick Deontay, and we had an amazing conversation. So amazing, in fact, that I had to cut this up into two parts. Uh, now, Nick is a high school teacher, a high school athletic director, a youth athletics coach, a writer, a successful side hustler, and a successful investor, amongst many other things. Nick is very well-rounded, and he's actually you know, one of the coolest guys I've met in quite a while, so it was an honor to have him on. Uh, Nick and I talked about a bunch of things. Um, we talked about how he walked on not once but twice to his college baseball team just to partially keep his dream of, you know, playing baseball alive. He's a huge baseball fanatic. He's loved it since he was a kid. Um, we also talked a lot about, you know, how to nurture your kids love of sports alive without becoming that overbearing sports parent. Um, as anybody who follows me on Instagram knows, my daughter is huge into soccer and I celebrated a lot on there. So we talked a lot about, you know, how to, you know, interact with them after a tough game when they haven't played their best or when they've, you know, experienced a really tough loss. Um, and, you know, we just talked about youth sports in general and how tough and competitive and how expensive it can be. Um, in part two, we talk about, you know, personal finance. One of the things that I wanted to get into when I started this show is just sort of, you know, helping people who've been divorced. Um, and going into single parenting, just sort of get their lives back in order. Um, and one of the things that I struggled with a lot was personal finance. And Nick gave some great tips on, you know, how to get your personal finances back in order and, you know, things to do and think about before you actually go into investing. And Nick's had, you know, a really successful run investing. And, you know, he dropped some knowledge there, which is super helpful. And you know, we've got some resources that everybody can look into if you're ready to do that kind of thing. Um, and one other kind of teaser I wanted to throw out there was in myself running back through the tapes of this interview, I noticed uh, sort of an overarching theme in both parts uh, from the sports in part one, and then the investing and finance stuff in part two. So I'm not going to give anything away. I just want to see if anybody else picks up on it besides me. It was kind of glaring for myself, but we'll see if you guys notice it. And I'll actually reveal what I thought it was at the end of part two. So thanks for tuning in. And without further ado, let's jump on in. Welcome, Nick Deonti. Thanks for joining me, man. It's good to have you on. Finally meet face to face somewhat, I guess, even though it's over a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, man, it's really good to be here. I'm glad that we could connect. Yeah, it's been, a, I guess, a long time in the making. Sorry to uh, keep postponing it for as long as I did, but it's been a little hectic for the last couple months or so. But uh, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, there's two big things that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, my daughter just turned 13 and, you know, college is still a little far off on the horizon, um, but it is coming up. And you had mentioned that you walked onto your college baseball team and my daughter's number one love in life right now is soccer. So I think like any parent, if their kid's good at sports, they're thinking scholarship because mm -hmm. college is super expensive. And I'm sure in five, six years, it's going to be even more pricey. So to hear about the process that you had to go through and the mindset behind, you know, making your college baseball team, that would be super huge for me. And also too, just from the aspect of just the idea of not giving up on something you'd like to do just because, you know, it might not be working out the way you want to do it. Um, and then also too, uh, we talked a little bit about finance and investing. And when I first started this podcast, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was create a resource for single dads who are just, you know, going through divorce or, you know, splitting up with their partner and just trying to get things back together. So finance and investing is definitely one of the things that should be high on the list. So I guess without further ado, I'm, uh, I'm passionate about all that stuff, man. So, you is. know, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, ready to, to hit all those points. 
Awesome. So I guess tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you what do you do? Where are you from? Sure. I'm from Queens, New York, and I'm a high school physical education teacher and athletic director uh, in Manhattan. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, I, I played uh, baseball collegiately. I played at Springfield College and then I transferred to Queens College. So I had to not walk on not once, but twice. So, oh, wow. um, I, you know, that I, I can probably, you know, tell a, tell a tale of both of those things. So they're both interesting stories, I think, at least for me being able to get on at two different colleges, at two different levels as well, right? Um, I, I lived in Philadelphia for a while. I taught at Temple University, taught in Philadelphia. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was a radio DJ from 98 to 08. So I did college independent radio for uh, all that time and uh, on the hip hop side. And that was a really enjoyable time in my life and career. And I made a lot of friends that still persist to this day from being involved in the industry. That's probably a whole other episode. I could probably listen for hours and hours on that stuff, but <laughs> maybe we'll make a part two out of that or something. So uh, I guess was baseball just something that you were, you know, got into as a kid? Was it always, I guess, just something that you just sort of loved and had a passion for? I mean, what drew you to baseball to begin with? Like what created uh, that love for it? My, my uncle was a really good high school player here in New York City. And I remember growing up listening to him talk about his experiences playing and, um, you know, I think my mom signed me up maybe when I was like seven for Little League. And everybody played baseball here. It was just a thing. You know, the Mets were coming off the World Series, right? They had mm -hmm. just won in 86. Uh, so baseball was the big thing here in Queens. And um, my best friend who lived like down the block, his dad, uh, you know, started to work us out like really gingerly, but like would have catches with us in the park and things like that. And so having a close friend uh, who played, we were always playing something. Mm -hmm. um, so baseball captivated me at a young age, but the, like many kids, when the seasons change, I changed sports, whether it was, you know, basketball, touch football, soccer, tennis, whatever it was, right? We were always playing something. Um, and then as I started to get older, I played baseball and basketball through high school. Uh, so I really like both of those sports pulled at me here because, you know, basketball is king here in New York as well. Oh, of course. Um, and uh, but when I got to high school, while playing baseball, actually, my school didn't have a team when I first went there. I went to Taekwondo, a small public high school, still relatively new. And I got a group of guys together and we eventually helped start a team by the time my senior year came along. So it was like a long process. I think not having it made you work harder at it because I knew I was starting to get behind my friends who were playing on the local teams here or playing local high school ball. I just really had to work at it. And around my junior year, I just decided, like, let me go all in on this. And I was still playing basketball all the time, right? So I was one of those kids you could find me with a bag and either there was a basketball in there or my glove or a bat or something, right? I was always that, mm -hmm. that kid that was walking around with a shoulder bag with something in it, ready to go, you know, 30 something degrees out, shoveling snow off the court, that stuff. So I was always a gamer. And um, so, you know, when I, when I finished up high school, I knew I wanted to play in college. I was looking at division three schools, you know, where I had some opportunity. I settled on Springfield college in Massachusetts and um, you know, being a D3 school, they don't give out scholarships. So, you know, you have your recruiter, you, everybody's basically like a recruited walk on. So the coach, like, you know, saw my stuff and was like, you know, look, you know, you'd be a good fit here, come and play. But at Springfield, because they're such an athletic school, they have varsity and JV. Like they have one or two freshmen on varsity. The rest of us were on JV, but the comp was just really good, man. Like there and basketball, like going out for both sports which I did. And uh, like basketball, I realized like I was, they were bringing in D1, D2 transfers. I was like, even if I make JV, like I have no chance. Mm -hmm. Baseball, I thought I had a little bit more of a shot. And, but yeah, I had to walk on in the fall. I had to make the team again in the spring. So when you talk about like persevering in those situations, um, 
I knew I was still like, I was raw, right? I was probably like the fastest guy out there. I had a pretty good glove, um, but I got a, had a little case of like the yips, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I didn't know where it was going. I could hit well enough, you know, to, to, to be in the mix. And uh, I, I got a little lucky and this story plays out into Queens College. And sometimes I tell kids being there is half the battle, right? Showing up is half the battle. What wound up happening was a kid who was in front of me at second base on the JV in the winter, because we had to make the team again out of the winter, right? So I made the cut out of the fall, right? So he come back in the winter. He got the flu, like bad or mono. So he was out for like a month and a half. When I started to look around, I was like, all right, like if he wouldn't have gotten sick, I, if, I probably wouldn't have gotten cut coming out mm-hmm. of the winter. But he got sick. That was basically my spot. And that's how I got my footing in at, at Springfield. So I really, ha- but I still had to like bust my hump every single day at practice because I just knew I didn't have the prep that the other kids had because I kind of had like a late start high school wise, not to playing, but to really like raising the competition. Right. So mm-hmm. I had like the tools. I didn't have the refinement. So I was one of those guys that was like, he's a project. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I finished my freshman year at Springfield and I wasn't in love with being in Massachusetts. It was expensive. I knew I was going to be there for phys ed. That's a great school for phys ed teachers. I was there with John Cena. He was a senior when I was a freshman. I used to uh, hang out at, uh, he would throw parties at his house on Saturdays and I would hang out there. And one day I left a few CDs. I actually DJed there one day, right? Mm -hmm. He had two CD players DJing, right? It was my first year DJing. (laughs) I left some there. I call him like the next next day. I'm like, yo, dude, I left some CDs. Can I come pick them up? It's like, sure, no problem. This was like towards the end of his senior year. And we talked hip hop for a while. So all that hip hop stuff people saw from John Cena was legit. He was a big hip hop head. And then so when I saw him the last few weeks on campus, you know, he'd give me a nod or say what's up. But he was he was beginning on campus. So I transferred. I go to Queens College. Um, and so now it's Division Two. So I go from Division Three JV to Division Two. Queens College is coming. They're like two years removed from like making the regionals, right? So mm-hmm. now I'm re- I'm seeing guys who are pro prospects on the team. You know, we had a few pitchers that threw like 90 miles an hour. We had an mm-hmm. outfielder who just had like an absolute cannon gun. He threw like 90 from the outfield. You just heard that's all you heard on the ball. Wow. Right. So I, I was like, whoa, the first day when I was taking relays, they're like, oh, watch when he throws. And I was, it was like something I hadn't seen. That was the big jump. Right. A lot, a lot bigger guys. So, you know, can the coach impress with like, you know, I, I worked a lot over the summer. I got my arm stronger. They were impressed again with like the tools. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the energy. Um, and what wound up happening was the starting shortstop. Got called into the FDNY. So he was on the list for like the FDNY, like training school. Mm-hmm. So when your number's called, like you go, because that's your opportunity. Like he didn't have to finish college. Right. So he went, guess who that opened a spot for on the team for again? Oh, here I am. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it took in both situations, somebody in front of me leaving or getting hurt for me to stay on. But again, because I showed up every day, I was a guy kind of like first to be there, last to leave, you know, would hit all the time in the off season, weight train, you know, I put on weight, all that stuff. Um, it showed a lot to the coaches and to my teammates, right? Mm-hmm. So even if I, I knew I wasn't as good as them, what else could they say? Like, all right, yo, uh, yeah, I, dude, obviously I know I, I can't hit bombs the same way you do, right? But you, you aren't going to outwork me. 
And yeah. so I always like as a coach, I always I always look for kids like that because every team needs at least one or two to push everybody else. And when I had some teammates who were like a lot better, one pulled me aside and was like, dude, I wish I loved the game as much as you do. Right. And that meant a lot to me. And so did one of the coaches yeah. were like, I wish we had a lot of guys that work the same way you do. I said, I just want to get better. Like I was like, look, I still got another two years in front of me. Right. It's my sophomore year. Right. I want to play. So of course, what happened my junior year, I got hurt. Uh, I hurt my knee. I took a red shirt. Um, and uh, I still continue to work at it. I come back my senior year in the fall. It was nine 11. Right. So that hit, everything got turned upside down. I finished the fall season. I have a chance to graduate early. I took it. I just said, I'm not paying to stay and play baseball. Yeah. Um, and it was unfortunate because I think I would have started my senior year if I would have stayed, mm-hmm. but it didn't work out that way. Right. So, uh, but I continue to get better. Like in my twenties, I feel like I probably peaked somewhere around like 29, 30 playing. Cause I continue to play like an adult leagues. Oh, so okay. I, I always think there's room for guys to get guys to get better as you go along. So I started to learn the game. I started to learn more about myself. I started to get over some of like the fears or insecurities that I had on the field. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was starting. I knew someone wasn't behind me to take me out if I goofed the ball. Once you start to get a little more comfortable with that and build that confidence, then I started to play freer and looser. And I, I just, I, I can make plays now in the field. You know, I was in tough spots at the plate. Like I wasn't like, am I going to get subbed out here? Right. Mm-hmm. And so once I started playing that and getting more reps, now I got the reps I should have had at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Right. I had to pick yeah. those up. And now when I was 26, 27, 28, right, that's when the game opened up for me like a lot. And I was still fortunate that like I could continue playing in like semi-pro and adult leagues. Right. So um, I did have a few tryouts out of college, really basically because of the speed. But when you get to a pro tryout, you, you see. You see the discrepancy. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. And so you're there and you're like, <sighs> Uh, when you had guys like those guys on my team that were super impressive and they didn't get drafted, like, what am I doing here? But the competitor in you still is like, I'm going to give this the best shot I have because like, let's see how far you can get in a tryout. Right. My yeah, speed would get me like well. one thing ahead in the tryout. And then, and then like, they're like, Oh yeah, but you're 22. We want the 16 year old, the 17 year old, mm-hmm. you know, the 18 year old. Right. They didn't want a 22. What are you going to do? I, I wasn't, I was fast, but I wasn't that fast where I was running like a six, five in the 60. Mm-hmm. Where they like, all right, we'll just teach you to slash or and and bump for base hits, and, and you can beat out infield ground balls, right? I was a little slower than that, but uh, like still faster than the majority of the people at the tryout. So that always got me something because they let everyone basically throw, catch, and run. Then like they'll usually narrow it down for the run. Then they kind of run everybody together again, and then when it's smaller to get the pull, and then they're like, yeah. oh, if you're fast enough, then we'll let you hit. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they take one person out of that, maybe. A lot of times they don't take anybody out of the tryouts or they just wanted to see those high school kids in a shorter thing because they wanted to get a good, a good look at them. Right. So, wow. you know, when you asked me like earlier in the, the questions, like, when did I realize, like, I was, I mean, I realized when I was in college and I saw the guys that were, I thought were studs and didn't get drafted. It, you, the window just went. Yeah. Yeah. I still didn't give up, but realistically, you know, I'm not going to be a professional baseballer. So how do I stay in the game teaching mm-hmm. and coaching? And still playing. Yeah. What uh so when you're when you're so division two, is there scholarships for division two or yes. like partial? Yes. There is. Yeah. So you weren't on scholarship at that time, you said when you no, were No, I wasn't. College? I walked on also, yeah. Okay. So what was it like, I guess trying to balance just the rigors of being an athlete 
and going to school at the same time. Did you get treated the same as the kids who got scholarships or did you, I mean, was there any um, difference? I, I think the guys that were on scholarship probably got a little more of the benefit of the doubt from the coaches or like second or third chances, right? Because mm -hmm. they had money invested in them. Um, a few of the walk-ons eventually wound up getting like partial scholarships. You know, maybe their senior year, the coach gave them like a quarter scholarship, but Queens wasn't that expensive. It was a local university, right? So it was like a few thousand dollars a year to go. So it really wasn't a big deal if you didn't get scholarships. And mm -hmm. baseball, it's not a fully funded sport anyway, right? So I think at the time we had like six or seven scholarships across 25 guys a lot of guys were walk, walking on or you had one or two pitchers or like one or two guys got a full scholarship. The rest of was split halves quarters. Um, so I think they got a little more true, but as athletes, like at least we got to register for classes early. So we didn't get locked out. That helped me get ahead of my major. I didn't have a problem balancing my schoolwork. I, I was a really good student. So it, it, I didn't find undergrad that difficult, but I came from a really like rigorous academic high school. So that didn't, it didn't bother me as much as my teammates who like school was second or third for them. Like it was baseball. And then they're like trying to figure out a major. I knew I wanted to go into education. Right. So I wanted to be good at both. I wanted to be a good teacher, learn how to be a good teacher. And I wanted to learn, I wanted to be as good at baseball as I could because I love playing. Right. And so it wasn't that hard for me. Um, friends that played division one, eh, then it starts to become kind of 50, 50 where it's like, you're here for sports and school as opposed to like D2, D3. It's still like you're here for school and sports, right? If you hope you got the nuance of that as yeah. well. So mm -hmm. a lot of my friends, but look, if you're, if you're smart, you're going to get through. I think it's the people that maybe didn't have as good of a workload or folks who like made excuses for them because they were athletes. And here in New York city, you don't get the athlete treatment so much, but kids get pushed through left and right, or, you know, work that maybe isn't like a grade work gets inflated just because mm -hmm. when you compare it to kids that aren't doing much. So they were, they were used to like getting away with no work. Then when they got to college and pressure's like, yeah, I'm not giving you like an extension on it because it's late. Like you get a zero or an F or like you can't cut class and expect to pass. Like, so I think that was the big wake up call for a lot of my teammates. I didn't, again, I didn't mind going to class because I knew what I was there for. Yeah. So when you, when you decided to move, I guess, from Springfield to Queens College, I mean, what did it take to walk on there? Did, did you just have to make a phone call to the coaches? Did you just like- Yeah, I reached out to the coaches. And, I, you know, I think being a transfer helped. They at least knew I had some, like another school wanted me, right? Yeah, yeah. It took me on. So that helped. And I reached out. And they have to do some formalities with like the NCAA with the clearinghouse. Like they have to put that through. That's a mm -hmm. transfer. So even it's like I lost my one-time transfer, right? But that was my transfer. And- uh I just, I just think it helped me get a little bit of a foot in the door instead of saying like, I'm an incoming sophomore and I want to try out. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that helped a lot. And what about, I guess, when you went off to Springfield, what was it like, I guess, trying to walk on there when you didn't really have, you know, that prior college experience? You're 18. You're like learning. Everything's new. Like you thought you kind of knew about the game and then you see all these other kids that are just as good. And, you know, now you're really getting used to like the college way of playing baseball, you know, shoot, like, where do you put your equipment down? Where do you leave your glove? Like, what's your stretching routine? What's your throwing routine? Like, what, what do you do when you get on the field? And how do you utilize every minute that you're on the field efficiently? Because high school still kind of haphazard. Not all places, but it's not as organized, especially in New York City here, where, like, most schools don't have their own dedicated field. You're like going to a public park. You know, there's maybe one coach for 20 kids as opposed to college. Now you're looking, there's three, four, five coaches here, mm -hmm. you know, for everybody. And you're seeing 
you know, seniors who are 22 or like all Americans and stuff, you're around mm-hmm. that. Right. And so now you're, you're a small fry again, it's supposed to be the best guy on your team. Now you get there, like, again, everybody could ball and you're like, Oh, this kid was like Gatorade, all American honorable mention or something like that. Or USA today. I remember we had one kid. We we're like, wow. And then you watch him hit. It's right. Balls are just flying out yeah. the park. You're, you're like, yo, but you start, you get that community of learning from everybody. Everybody's mm-hmm. like trying to acclimate themselves to like, a kind of a college way and maybe only a few kids really had that way because they really had the proper coaching and the guidance to bring them in that like hey this is how you have to like act and behave and carry yourself like on a field you know run in between drills all that stuff like you know like sitting down is for like when you're waiting to hit right like that's you right. know and during a game other than that like you should always be doing something and talking it up and you know being engaged so there's really no time to goof around. The kid behind you is trying to play more than you. Right. Or you have someone like me that's like trying to push as hard as I can to knock you off. Yeah. So when you said that you had to try out pretty much like, I guess, on a seasonal basis, uh, what do you think would have happened if there would have been, an, I guess, a season where you didn't make it? Do you think you would have just scrapped it all together? Or do you think you just would have? Well, I mean, my junior year with me getting hurt, right, and having to take that red Mm -hmm. shirt was kind of like, was, you know, kind of like that. Um, If I really would have been like cut, cut, I would have kept playing. I just, I would have found another, like an adult, a few adult leagues to play. Mm -hmm. And I would have tried to come back because I knew, I knew, all right, maybe there's something else I can work on, you know, to go and do it. Uh, Also, because I didn't maybe have something else, like, I didn't need to take like a full, like full-time job on the side, right? I made enough working like part-time on campus. Um, and I did a lot of DJing at like the game basketball games and working for the athletic department on the side. Um, and I was living home. So I, I was okay. Right. Like I could pay my bills cause I didn't have a lot of bills to pay per se. School wasn't that expensive. I was on like a half academic scholarship anyway. So mm-hmm. that, that also helped, but, um, you know, so I would have went back even though people were like, well, why are you spending all that time? Maybe only get in a few games. Cause I'm like, look, it goes back to the theory of, if you're there, you have a shot, but if you're not there, you have no shot. So like, I'd rather be there and then do something to impress a coach or like, I got, I got hurt during a game and you go in and play and you get a few hits and now they're like, Oh wait, we might be able to use him. Right. Right. So you always got to keep yourself in there and you only get to go through college once. So why do I want to be like 40 now and, and be like, uh, I should have done that. Like this is the worst. Like, yo, we all have old regrets. I didn't want it to be on the sports side, right? I got a lot of other regrets from that time, but I, <laughs> right. I don't want it. To, I didn't want it to be that I didn't put my best foot forward with this because um, I really, would have, I didn't want to be like one of those dudes, man. Like I could have been better or I could have done something. Yeah, that's, I, I just want to, I guess, sort of circle that thought. Just, uh, yeah, it's better just to give it a shot. I mean, you don't want to look back and be like, man, I wish I would have given that a shot. It's. It's, it's much better to try and not succeed than to not try at all. That's something that I've just sort of learned as I've gotten older. When I, when I get into something and I really get in, I'm all in. And I remember my coach saying that he's like, when I got into coaching and I talked to him a little bit, he's like, he's like, that's because Deontay, you were all in. And he's like, you're trying to expect all these kids to be all in and they're not. And it's hard for me because like, even the sport that I didn't like for basketball, I was all in during the season. And even in the summers, like I was still playing in like, tournaments and stuff like that around baseball be at the park 10 11 at night with the lights on shooting with my buddy like because i still was like i want to be the best basketball player i can yeah I'm so sure that's... I, I was always all in 
Yeah, just say, I've actually heard this pretty common from people that get into coaching. If they have a team and they notice anybody that's not trying as hard as they would have tried when they were playing, it's hard to, I guess, sort of break that. And I guess just sort of fall back and be like, all right, these guys aren't me. I can't put the same kind of expectations on them as I would put on myself because. No, you can't, but you can let them know like it's possible. Right. right. And so I try to let them know like, Hey, if you kind of go this route, just while you're here for these hour and a half, two hours, you'll really see the improvement that you want to see. Even if it's like, and this kind of gets into discussion about playing college. I feel like too much of the discussion now is framed around. You have to do this if you want to play college. It's the same thing. Like, you know, well, I need this on my resume for my college application, right? For non-sport stuff. Everything about sport doesn't have to be about, well, you, if you want to get to the next level, how about just, do you want to get better? Do you mm -hmm. want to have more fun with this? Do you like, do you really want to kick other people's asses more often? Like most kids will say, yeah, right? right. Like yeah. some people like, I'm not that competitive if I'm into it, but I'm like, they keep score, right? They track stats, right? Yeah. So it's not even about being selfish, right? It's about, how good can I be at this? That's the wonderful challenge about sports. Even I find that now playing volleyball, like I started playing indoors, maybe about, I don't know, around like 2008, 09. And then maybe about six years ago, I started playing beach and beach is completely different. Mm -hmm. And now I've got, I went all in on beach the last like three, four years. My body's working against me a little bit, but it's such a new challenge. And I like the competitiveness of it. Like I'm trying to be as in it as much as I can to see what, what can I do with this? I'm not going pro. I played in some like, you know, amateur tournaments, they're a lot of fun, but like, I still feel like there's a lot for me to learn and grow because my body can, well, we'll see how I recover from this injury. Right. But like still, yeah. still works well enough that I can get out there and compete at a good enough level where I'm not going to be laughed off the court most of the time, unless you're playing against like pros. Right. Because mm -hmm. it, again, you talk about being on a field with pros, whatever sport it is, the level is just, it's, you see right away, like they can do what you can't do. And there's no amount of work I could put in A to be six foot five, but B to have whatever the arm swing, the agility, the leap, right? Like that you can't, you can't make up that gap, but within like a certain range, right? You know, all right. I think I, I, I still think I can outwork that person. I still think I can outplay them if I refine one or two things. Right. And that's still what drives me because it gives me enjoyment to be competitive out there. Not a hothead. I'm competing with myself. I'm still on the other side of the, the people on the other side of that. I'm still like, I'm going to beat you. Right. Even if I'm down, like, I, I, all right. Like, because it's still that underdog mentality of like, you're going to look me over. All right. Yeah. Watch. A lot of kids don't have that, which you're saying you can't instill that in kids. I think because I had a late start a little bit, um, because I had like a late growth, like a five, nine, I'm not, I'm, yeah, average height. Right. But mm -hmm. I feel like I could always jump. Well, like I could get up on the rim in high school. Like, like I had to find other things, mm -hmm. you know, in the game to kind of like, all right, well, what else can I do that maybe some other people can't do, you know, work on my like better jump shot, free throws, all that stuff. Right. If I couldn't break down guys down enough, I'm like, all right, well, I can still jump over you and shoot it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like there's, there was always something that like I, I was, I had to get behind to get ahead because I always felt like on the surface, you're going to overlook me because you'll look at me and look through me. I'm like, yeah, but give me a few days and then you'll see. I felt that in basketball and baseball. I'm like, if, if like when coaches started giving me a shot and they watched me play over three, four five games, then you see all those other little things come out, but they might not come out in a game, like one game or one practice. Right. So as a coach, yeah. I try to look for little stuff in that. And when I'm trying to pick a team, can I spot some of that right away? Because yeah, that can, I, but they can do all the other skills. Right. 
And but another coach would be like, oh, he's too short, he's not flashing enough, or he's slow, or whatever, it's in the blank, or she, right? Like whatever it is. Um, and I'm always trying to look for those kids because I know if I can push their buttons the right way, they might pass half the team by senior year. Yeah, that's um, I mean, as a parent, that's something that you know, I try and instill in my daughter as much as possible too. Just, you know, just, just always going all out. Cause like you said, if it's, you know, if you're not talented enough to where you're going to blow people away with, you know, like a half of a game or a full game, if you're going max effort all the time, that is what's going to get you noticed. So the, the little skills never that takes a have, day, it never takes a day off. And this is for me right. having conversations with many former major league players, right? What's mm -hmm. been really cool about this journey is I've had a opportunity to view a ton of professional athletes, you know, some I've been in their homes, I've spent time with them, they've given me hitting lessons. Same thing with volleyball, right? I've taken lessons from like pros, interviewed a lot of pros, you start to hear the mindset, there's consistencies, you know, and some said, you know, like, I didn't work as hard as I should have when I was in the bigs, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Or there were other things that can pass, but like, hustle doesn't take a day off. And there's always something you do. I think, you know, there's an art to like, actually drawing back a little bit now, so you don't burn out. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially if you're in a soccer match. Right. You really can't go out all game like it's, right. it's impossible. Yeah. But if you loaf, if you, you know, teammate doesn't pass you the ball on time, like you put your head down and you say, hey, all right, yo, let's get the next one. Right. Like, how can you how can you keep attitude and effort up all the time? Because people notice a good teammate like you could be real good. But if you just piss at your teammates all the time, nobody wants to play with you. And and then if you're, you're what you all are trying to do is now oppositional instead of. Together. Yeah, that's uh that's probably the biggest struggle with uh my daughter's teams. I mean, they're all 13-year-old girls, so body language is it's just, it's huge. And <laughs> then yeah, you know, look, women's tough. sports, I feel like it's a different animal. I've learned a lot being in mm -hmm. volleyball, even my coach boys, but going to clinics and you know, hearing the top D1 women's coaches talk, right? And then this season speaking with all the female athletes from Athletes Unlimited, right? Um, dynamics a little bit different, at least on like the high school, you know, mm -hmm. level, youth level, right? Um because I think you get a little more of like the attitudinal, like sensitivity on the women's side. Oh yeah. And you know, some of them are in it really for the communal aspect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they look at those kids that really are better can compete a little more as like, again, oppositional, right. Cause like usually what I've, I've found, you know, you can get a, a group of boys and be like, Hey, run through that wall. Like they're all going to go run through the wall. Mm-hmm you got to frame it a little bit differently usually when you're dealing with like the age group that, you know, you, you were talking about because that, that might not be why they're there. Yeah. Right. And, and so they're all playing for really different reasons. Plus whatever, there's all kind of emotional, social stuff, physical stuff that's going on with that age group anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where there's all these like hormonal changes, which could affect yep. it. Like, you know, they could be at the game and it's like, they're going through some hormonal stuff and it's like, they legit don't feel a hundred percent. Yeah. For no fault of their own. Like they woke up that morning and they're just like, they have cramps, whatever else it is, headaches, migraines, whatever else kind of comes along with that. Yep. And you know, you're like, yeah, well, you still got to go bust it for 90 minutes. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Always, I always admire the coaches. I'm like, I couldn't do the job you do just coaching girls at that age. Right? I, co I, I coached, I coached women's for, uh, for a few years in, in high school. And, um, you know, I still got them to like really compete. Right. And I feel like they still do want to compete. Mm -hmm. Right. An athlete wants to compete. Some of them don't realize they're athletes. I'm like, hey, you're putting on a uniform. Guess what? Right. You're here now, right? So let's get the most out of it. And you try to maybe just do stuff a little bit more communal, but at the same time competitive. Track mm -hmm. stats and practice, things like that. Maybe have them compete with themselves as opposed to like the next person so much. Like, hey, 
you know, did you improve your free throw percentage this week at practice, right? Hey, I see you're getting like two more rebounds per game, something, right? That they can, they can go forward, you know, with. And then you see like, actually, they're like, oh, there's a little competitor inside of me. Yeah. What, uh, what age, what age range do you coach now? I coach high school. High school. So yeah, varsity. Yep. Here's a question. I've noticed, um, it, it seems like any, any games I've been to for my daughter, or if it's like a tournament or something, some of the kids on the team just have like a tougher time, I guess, sort of shaking off bad plays or if something goes bad. Well, what kind of advice do you have for, I guess, parents whose kid might not have had the best game? Like, just, I guess just sort of get their kid, their kid to keep their head up and just sort of, I guess, shake it off quick. I mean, I guess everybody deals with it differently. Yeah. But, you know, being kids in the formative years. Yeah, I think the best thing as a parent that you can do is continue to be supportive and, and not be the post-game analyst in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think at times some parents, they want to run down the whole game and maybe the question is, hey, did you have fun today? Like, right, mm-hmm. like, did you have a good time? Did you enjoy the game? Right? If they didn't, let them tell it. Yeah. They might not want to talk about it right away. That's cool. Hey, what do you want to go get to eat? Like, get, you know, or, you know, hey, we were supposed to go get that thing you wanted, right? Not because pick them up from from being down, right? Yeah. But maybe distract them. And you'll be surprised. They'll on their own come out. But if you start trying to give them the third degree or be like, yo, geez, like you want to put the ball in the box enough or, yo, when you're in the attacking third, like, you know, you really got to take more shots or, you know, when that girl tries to put your body and you're like, don't back off. Like they, they didn't get in the, they don't want that from their parents when they get in the car. And this is really all ages. Like they know, they know what happened during the game. They don't mm-hmm. need the play by play. So I would say, you know, if you see your kid down, uh, I, I, I think give them time, give them space. Um, and maybe try to, we talk in school about using I statements, like you maybe are at dinner and you're like, Hey, you know, I noticed that, right. As opposed to you. Yeah. Right. So, Hey, I noticed that, you know, your energy was a little down during the game. Do you want to talk about it? Leave it in their court for them to go and talk about it as opposed to trying to force it out of them or, you know, Hey, you know, I, I saw you looked a little, you know, slow to the ball today. You know, how are you feeling? Yeah. Let, let them talk about it as opposed to just like starting to point out all this stuff because I don't think kids really want that from their parents unless they come and say like, you know, hey, mom, hey, dad, like, well, you know, what could I have done better? Because a lot of kids will talk about it and like, what was I doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? I work at a school, it's like, like pretty again, high academic as well. And like right away, they always want to know what they're doing wrong because they're so used to like in class, like, all right, show me what I got wrong on the test so I can fix it so that I can like get the hundred the next time. Like sports don't work that way. Like, right. all right, let's focus on what's going well today, right? So like, hey, you were keeping your arms down when you were passing, right? I'm talking like for volleyball, but I coach, I coach soccer up until this year too, right? I coached oh, soccer okay. for 12 years. So like, you know, cause hey, what's, what was going well? Like, hey, you were recovering while on defense, right? Or you were, you know, you were ball side most of the game, you know, or you intercepted a lot of crosses or, you know, whatever it was, you were able to take a touch around a defender, something, right? You know, give that something supposed to just being like, okay, sure, I could talk about you not that comfortable on your weak side, or you're still lunging at a ball when like someone's coming towards you, or you're playing too high defensively and now you're playing catch up, right? Mm-hmm. That could be for later, but you know, they talk about the sandwich effect. Give them something positive, and then maybe something to work on, and then give them something positive again. But let them give it to you as opposed to like you trying to draw it out from them because it just doesn't doesn't work that well, and eventually can make them resentful. 
and they're not going to want to talk about the game with you because they're they know that it's just going to be criticism and think about the relationship between a parent and a child right yeah long term what are they going to look that you hope that they look to from their parents of like some level of acceptance mm-hmm. if everything is critical it's just going to create a long-term resentment because, oh, I didn't really enjoy the game as much as I should have because my mom or my dad was always criticizing me after the game. It's hard enough. I'm trying my best to compete, but geez, these girls are really good and I'm struggling with it. I'm not as fast as so-and-so. My touch isn't as good as so-and-so. Like they know this, right? When the light bulb comes on, we're going to say, hey, I want to work on this. Mm -hmm. Then you take that and run with it. Not even so much about getting them help. All right, well, what do you want to go work on? Yo, we'll make time to go to the park and do that. Like, that's my hope as a kid comes to their parent. And I wish I had it because I didn't really grow up with my father in the house. So that was the other thing. Everything sports was basically self-taught or my best friend. My best friend whose dad used to work with us, got hit by a car when we were like 12 and died. So it was always him and I working together, right? So both of us grew up really without the dad. So we were always playing together. And we were kind of like filling out void a little bit for each other, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, I, I wish I had a parent that like, if I had a dad and saw how it was that, would he be throwing soft toss to me all the time or pitching batting practice or maybe pitching in for lessons, training, whatever it was, we'll never know. Right. So I think the fact that a parent wants to, when that, once that kid says, yo, like Alvin, let's rock. Right. Like Mm -hmm. then, then, you know, they want something more than just putting on a uniform and saying they're like a player. And for some high school kids, that's okay. And, and pre like middle school where you're, you know, your age daughter's playing, mm-hmm. yo, it's, it's about being on a team and being with a bunch of girls that also like playing the sport right now. Not so much of like, I want to play college because dude, that's five years away. Right. Right. I don't, I don't know. My, my daughter's kind of different. Like she's, she's probably the most competitive kid I've ever seen. Like she's, she's a killer, man. Like I've never she's always got a ball with her. She's always working on stuff. She's, I mean, probably just sound like a gloating parent, but she's, it's a whole other level. Like I I know I'm competitive and I get it from my parents, but Mm -hmm. just for her, it's like trying to think of how to explain it. I think if it was the last game or the game before she had for soccer, she actually said that she likes it when the games are close near the end, because the other teams think that they have a chance to at least tie or maybe win but then she likes taking it from them at the end. She's, yeah. Run with she's, that. She's 13. Run, dude, run with that. <laughs> she's right. 13. And so support, support that as much as you can, because that's yeah. like an advanced thing from like a young kid to say. Yeah. Uh, and like, I'd like to coach someone with that. And so it's just, how do you continue to play to that? And so maybe some of the conversation becomes like, that's an awesome mindset to have because sometimes, you know, in sports things, if they're lopsided, the game's boring, right? Especially if you're on like a team, maybe it's a little better than other teams. Like, Oh, our club team is so good that like we're always blowing out teams. You, you lose focus or you think it's always going to be that easy. But yeah. if you're like, yo, I want to take, I want to take their heart. I'm like, yo, it's like Mike Tyson, right? Right. Like, exactly. It's an S and I, I like, you want to take that and, 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 and nurture that because that's, that's that athlete's mindset. Mm-hmm. And she's got, she's, so it's like, she's got a long way to go. So like, how can she help develop that in her teammates? Right. So like, right. If she's there, so how can she help pick that up? How, you know, is she vocal, like, but in a, in a supportive way, like, you know, can she like talk to her teammates and be like, Hey, you know, like if it's late in the game and this, we just got to be all collective focused that like, we're all committed to not letting them score. Like, 
every single yeah. person, right? If we yeah. could all take that, like we're rarely, we're not going to lose that often because they're afraid to make a mistake because they're behind. Yep. Right. And so how can like we get in control? So, you know, if you have a young person like that, like just take it, nurture it. Um, you know, cause I thought about that going into this, you know, I see how much, you know, you're so proud of your daughter and I see you always put up the highlights of it. I'm like, this is awesome. And, um, you know, I said, I wanted to ask him, like, does she love playing? Dude, it's, I think we've had, I think we put her in soccer when she was four or five mm. and tried to get her to play other things just to try them, just to see, you know, as a kid, like, you know, try yeah. things, see if you like them. It's like, nope, I only want to play soccer. Soccer is it for me. Wow. She, okay. She that was going to be my it. next question is like, yeah. you know, does she play in another sport or because she might get to high school and someone's like, Hey, you ever played volleyball for like, do you want to run track or, you know, and I know soccer club soccer is so encompassing and we could spend a whole episode yeah. on that yeah. of how encompasses. And, and all I could say is buyer beware, like, please, please is, you know, good dude, like be careful with your money and really right. know where it's going because they're going to be like, Oh, you need to be on the select this and the select that. And, and, you know, if, if she's good, people are going to want her because remember, it's like, they want to boost their, their thing too right so it's like yeah. there's opportunity but there's usage but this is a weird like your sports really become this really strange place of like yeah we're trying to like help kids progress but also we're making money off this too yeah so it's, it's like your business. child is helping us make money because if they're good they're recruiting other players that are good etc yep. etc et right it's going to go that way but there's you know, a lot of like skill trainers and camps and clinics yeah. and you don't need to go to all of them and for someone that plays soccer a lot like she needs to rest like yeah. she's still young you know her knees her legs are vulnerable like maybe even like a lightweight training program like maybe starting like i don't know she's starting ninth grade or eighth grade like come uh forward. she's in seventh now she'll be eighth grade in the fall eighth, right yeah. so even a lightweight training program even like once a week something like introductory i think could be good to protect like her legs and her body because you know they're getting used a lot but like young girls they a lot of them want to have problems with their knees because of like the q some called the q angle where like mm -hmm. the hips are angled a little bit because of like secondary sex characteristics right their hips a little wider right, right. that kind of messes the knee angle that's why you see a lot of acl injuries also like a lot of them, their hamstrings are weak like i'm sure she has really strong quads mm -hmm. strong glutes from pushing off kicking hamstrings might not be so strong if the hamstrings are weak that's when the knee goes and so some like, and you could get some resistance bands to do hamstring training too. Like I have them in the door right here, but um, mm -hmm. it could go a long way to keeping our legs healthy, but try to, you know, as much as she's going to want to play, play, play all the time. Like it's good to take a vacation or a week. It's good once in a while to tell the club team, like, no, we're going away this week. Yeah. Right. Because I wish more families would be like, Hey, fine. That's opportunity for someone else to play. And don't give me the business of like, well, she gets back. She's not going to play. Like, dude, like, like, <laughs> How often do we get to go on vacation? Like I'm taking a vacation for a week, like deal with it. I just right. paid you $5,000. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's actually, so in the fall, she's going to be moving up to a more competitive league. So that'll mm. be, she's, she's super excited about that. So we'll see a higher level of competition. We'll it's see. all part of the, it's all part of the journey. And there's going right. to be some, some, you know, I, again, it's hard to tell because I haven't seen her play, right? It's mm -hmm. all part of the journey. It's all going to be like, Hey, I moved up. Now what? She might yeah. be still like top dog or maybe she gets knocked down a peg. Fine. But if she has that mentality she wants, she's going to figure out stuff because not everyone on the team is going to all work. Cause remember the games probably come somewhat easy to some of those kids because yeah. they've just been physically like more, you know, gifted. Right. And again, you know, I, I, with your daughter, like, and that's the thing, like girls also kind of strange with a lot of them stop growing like 14, 15. So it's like, yeah, they could be close to like their max height already. Yeah she's uh i don't know she had one growth spurt already the doctor said she should have 
maybe one more. So we'll okay. see. But she's they can take a start... look. They can see like growth plates and stuff like that. And they, yeah, you know. she's already like five feet tall. So I mean, she's pretty good size for thirteen. So yeah, she's probably going to be in taller than me, which is kind of scary. But I <laughs> mean, <laughs> only five, not myself too. So <laughs> we're holding on to it. Yeah, as much as I can. That and the little bit of hair I have left. But yeah, man. That's besides the point. Mine's, mine's doing all right, but you know, it's <laughs> embrace the change. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess going back to baseball, uh, I guess what what were I guess the most valuable lessons you learned from the whole walk on experience? I think it's a lot of what I've talked about that like hard work does get you a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I think um, being there, being consistent can help you get ahead because you're going to find in life you're going to get in situations where you're going to be willing to do the stuff that other people aren't going to do that's going to get you ahead and now some people like have subscribed that work smarter not harder mm-hmm. i'm starting to try to figure out ways in my life also to like find efficiencies right but i also realized that like i've gone ahead in life basically because with a lot of things I've been willing to do stuff that other people aren't. And that's gotten me into certain positions. I think even with the job I have now, the school I've had, like, I think things I did leading into that set me up to get to where I am because of some of the steps I took as like, I was an undergrad and and with baseball, it was also like, you know, you have to find that humility of like the game humbles you all the time. You think you're good and you step up levels, or sometimes you think you're better than you are and you kind of get into some reality. And then other times you have a breakthrough. You're like, no, I can do this. I can hang. And that's what I taught myself. Like, I can hang. Like, I might not be as consistent as some of the other dudes or as big or as flashy, but I can hang. I was on the field with all the same guys. I was there. And I think that said a lot coming from, like, just knowing, like, my path that I came up. So being there, being present, being consistent, there's a lot to be said about that because there are people that can't do that for like extended periods of time and i found out so much about myself my capacity to work my capacity to face difficult challenges at least sporting wise and now i take that into like when i play now where i'm like hey i've faced worse stuff at like baseball practice than like this game i'm in right a lot of people who i play oh geez did i just freeze no uh, you're good yeah all right yeah, sorry I got you no, you're okay good. no something happened online <laughs> so, no you're good i feel like I've just learned to persist in different situations and that's helped me out a ton mm-hmm. because now people I play with, I'm like, I know y'all haven't gone through that. So now mentally, maybe I can't get broken as easily as you can. Even though now yeah. if I play with like higher competition, now sometimes I have to really shut my brain up too. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's other people where I can just know I can look and I'm like, nah, I've, I've faced 90 mile or fastballs. Like you're not, you're not, this isn't, this isn't as tough as what I've been through. Yeah. And I guess, so you have any high school, any advice for high school kids, I guess, maybe even ones that you're teaching now that are kind of faced with the same situation. I mean, would you, um, what in terms that they want to walk on or that they're like maybe a little behind the competition? I guess both. Yeah. They're so, you know, I mean, I tell my guys, look, there's always opportunity for you to work and you have to be creative ways. So like, if I couldn't get somebody to throw to me, like, I would take my batting tee outside, like on the grass and I'd hit wiffle balls because like, I didn't have space for like baseballs, like on the side of like the apartment here, I hit wiffle balls. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'd work on my swing as well as being like, well, I can't hit, or I couldn't get someone to like work out with today. All right. I took my tee and did that. 
I mean, honestly, like in a bedroom, you could set up like a tee with wiffle balls and put up, hang like a big sheet. Yeah. You can hit those in there. You're not going to really break anything. So like, you know, what can I do today to get better? Like for soccer, I was like, look, the wall is your friend. Like if you can't find someone to play with, like use the wall to work on your touch, go work on your training, work on your fitness, like work on something you can control. Um, and then you're going to, again, have to do the stuff that other people don't want to do. So like high school, like college, I was out there in the sun shooting extra jump shots, extra free throws at night, you know, walking around literally for a few miles. My friend go from park to park to park to park to find a game. Mm -hmm. Baseball, the same thing. Like, all right, like I'm going to take a ton of ground balls. Like I'm going to throw four or five times a week. I'm going to hit, you know, I had a few friends. We did that into college. So I relished being out in the sun at nine, 10 in the morning, right? Because there were some years I worked, some I didn't, or I worked at night. Like I figured out a schedule working allowed me to like train. Mm -hmm. So I'm out there in the sun. I got used to training in 90, 95 degree weather. I love it. A lot of people are like, it's too hot. I'm like, bring it on. Because again, I knew I'm like, I'm willing to be out here. You're not. Guess what? We're still going to have to play in that weather. Yeah. So why not get used to training into it? Of course, I didn't do stupid stuff where like you're going to get a heat stroke, but <laughs> of course. you can put on some sunscreen, you make sure you have some water and you get at it. Why? Because everyone else is still sleeping. Yeah. So now what's happening with like volleyball as I'm older? I'm willing to go out at 6, 630 and train or play. Why? Because in New York City, it's so hard to get a court anyway. That's when you have to go. Yeah. Right. But still at the same time, like I'm willing to get out there to get some extra reps in. So what are you doing? And I'm like, it pains me when I go see all these fields and they're empty. And I'm like, how many kids should be out there working on the game? And they're not because they're waiting for an adult to go tell them to do it. I'm like, don't wait for me. Do it yourself. Find one or two other kids that really like playing. Otherwise, if you don't really like playing that much, that's okay. But then don't bitch that like either you're not starting or you're not like you didn't get selected for the also team or like your stats really aren't where they are. Because I'm going to ask you, what did you do the eight months, nine months leading up to the season? Not everybody could afford club. I get mm -hmm. it. And especially for something like volleyball, it's really hard to find a place to play if you can't play indoors, right? Like, yeah, but I'm like, exactly. hey, I gave you a list of all the open gyms in the city. Did you go to any? Guess what? I had kids a few years that went and they got a lot better because they found open gyms that had like teen nights and they went and played and they got better. They're like, oh, I found this park that has a court. We go and play. I'm like, that's what I want to hear. Like, because if you're waiting for the, for the adults to put it in motion, it's not going to happen. And I think, unfortunately, youth sports right now is so it's too organized. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of rec pickup because everything's like, we got a travel game this day and then three days we got another travel game. But baseball, it's like we have five games a week and then tournament, tournament, tournament. Like when you guys practice now, we don't really practice. We just play games all the time. Like how do you really expect to get better getting three at-bats? I'm like, you might see six yeah. pitches, right? You might get the ball hit you twice during a game. It's not enough reps. What are you doing to get the extra reps? So that's what I would tell any high school, college kid is like, you got to open up your network, find somebody who wants to work, and maybe you got to be the pest and call them and drag them into bed or bring them a donut. Like, I don't give a crap. Like, you got to get them to come with you. And the few that'll do that, they will surpass everybody. Because I saw it happen for myself. Mm -hmm. I saw in high school, like, I got so much better in basketball, like, from freshman to senior year, that guys that, like, on other high schools that, like, were kicking my butt when I was in eighth, ninth grade, I was outscoring them now, Right. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I was a better player than they were. Why? Because they, they just didn't work at it enough. What do you think about, so I guess today's generation, like I know when I was younger, I'd always see people outside 
like playing and working yeah. and stuff like what do you do you see the same kind of stuff now from the younger generation like i feel like most kids are on their phones or indoors well i mean the temptation is too real right i mean yeah. even my relationship with phone is like changed over the last few years because it's just i don't know it's interesting exciting whatever yeah. there's always something yeah. and i'm right. curious right so there's always something in my head let me look that up yep um and look we're around the same age i was early on the internet 93 94 aol yeah. all that stuff same. right so like yeah you know, remember dialing up. So there, yeah. we were on the computer a lot, but usually because of the way it was set up, you could only use it at night because your parents were on the phone or whatever it was, right? So you couldn't tie up the yeah. phone line. So there was a little bit of a barrier to access there. We're like, mom, can you use it for like a half hour? I'm fine. And they were like, oh, I got to make a phone call. Someone might've called or we got to call someone calling us, right? So there was some restrictions where it wasn't 24 seven access. It definitely wasn't in our hands or in our pockets. Right. So we had to go do something. Um, I, so I feel like there's a lot more distracting. Video games were still a thing our age. So I don't like people saying like, oh, look, yo, we had yeah. we had video games, right? Yep. It was just, I think there was a more of a culture of go to the park and play. And I think, you know, see there's still some, but like it, it, it's, it's kind of gone down a bit, especially in the suburbs. It's a lot harder to find like places to play or parents like maybe don't find the public court safe. Well, that's where, you know, the, the kids who are bad influences hang out. But we had yeah. to learn how to navigate that. I got jumped a few times. Guess what? Either you learn not to go there or play better, or you come back the next day and be like, oh, really? Now what? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even talk it. You're like, oh, we could play or not. I'll leave him alone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think the the temptation of the internet is a really strong draw. And, uh, you know, maybe kids aren't talking to his mother as much this way. And maybe they're just like, no, I'm going to chill. Like, I just want to chill. Like, yo, go and play because you only get this run once yeah like exactly. while your body still works well that you could go yeah. play, play three four games in a day like i can't i i can sort of do that now but i don't know two days in a row that'll probably knock me out for the rest of the week right like yeah i'm gonna need a few days to recover as opposed yeah. to doing that every single day at like 17 18 yeah right you can wake up like yo yo i'm ready to go like yeah my mind i'm ready to go but my knees <laughs> my course you might that- need a day off I have a tough enough time just like if I got to stand out and watch my daughter play soccer on a hot summer day, like three or four games, I get worn out just by standing on the sideline and cheering, watching for like, you know, six, seven hours. So I can't imagine playing multiple games, multiple days. Just yeah. sounds miserable. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm done. Like if I have a tournament, I'm done like the next day. Like I'm like, yeah, my legs are fried. Like I need at least a day or two to recover. If you play like a that's like three, four matches in a day or five or six. If you like, you know, get to the playoffs or finals. Right. It's a lot of. Yeah in the sand it's a lot oh right? yeah sand definitely man that's like the worst and i guess uh dude i guess transition off the finance um all right so there you have part one you know even though nick and i were talking about sports i think the advice he gave you know carries over to pretty much you know anything your child might do that they came up short at you know you never ever you know, just want to lead with, you know, criticism, blame and finger pointing, you know, whenever our kids feel defeated, you know, you never want to start out on a negative, you know, tip or point of view. I personally, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, but anyway, so part two is where we get into the investing in the personal finance. Um, Nick has a lot of knowledge to share there. So I definitely think, you know, you should tune in tons and tons of great information in there. So if you found this episode helpful, you know, please share it with anybody who you think it might be helpful to. And again, if you listen to this on a platform that allows reviews, please drop me a five star. We get more people to tune in, more people we reach, the more people we can help. So we want to build a community here. 
So thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week.